Welcome to Quick Hits, the most intermittent podcast in the universe and the only one that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Dave's Hierarchy of Tolerance. More and more, everybody is at everybody else's throat, looking for a fight, not getting along with anybody based on things that in a lot of cases are trivial. And people who are commenting on this often say we have to stop being so tribal. Well, good luck with that. Homo sapiens are tribal, and telling us not to be tribal would be like telling a duck to stop flocking, or telling a wolf to stop being a pack animal. It's not going to happen. Now, we may evolve into something better that's not tribal, later on, but that's not going to happen in our lifetimes. And as long as we are humans, we're going to be tribal. Now, it used to be that whatever tribe you were born in, that was your tribe. There was nothing that you can do about it. But now we have choices as far as what tribes we want to join. In a lot of cases, not in all cases. Uh, the tribe of family, the tribe of race, the tribe of nationality, you have no control over that. You get whatever hands you're dealt on that. But there are all kinds of other tribes that we can belong to and participate in. There are sports tribes, people that are slavishly devoted to one team or to a particular sport or to fantasy football or fantasy baseball. And that's their tribe. They get really involved in it and they have a great time with it. There are musical tribes. Not just taste, although that's some of it too. You have people that like a particular kind of music and particular bands and follow them around and hang around with other people who like the same music. That's always a good tribe to be in, have fun in. I was part of the folk music tribe back 30 years ago. I got really involved with some local musicians and some of them are still friends. I don't do anything with it now. But we accomplished some pretty cool things back then. We rescued a old venue that was about to go out of business. Most importantly, I think we had a whole lot of fun. It was a great tribe to belong to. And now when I see former tribal members, we're still great friends. We still get along and uh, made some lifelong, long-lasting friendships just from playing and singing in coffee houses. One of my favorite tribes to belong to is the cigar smoking tribe. I can light up a cigar in any cigar lounge in the country and sit down with complete strangers and we can have a great time and great conversation. There is a local cigar shop that I like to go to and I know some of the folks there. I don't know any of them well, but having been a cigar smoker for, what, 20 years, 30 years now, I guess. I have been together, and I think I talked before about a little tribe that we had was our specific circle of friends that were all cigar smokers of all different 
socioeconomic levels and different races and different professions and different religions. And we all had all kinds of intense conversations and I never once heard a word raised in anger because cigars take all the piss and vinegar out of a conversation. And you can discuss really uh, controversial things and get along with each other just fine. So I present to you my theory, Dave's Hierarchy of Tolerance, the four different levels of tolerance that there are that control or determine how we deal with various different tribes. And hierarchy is probably the wrong word, but it's a good sounding word and people use it a lot. So I'm just throwing this out here and I'm going to call it a hierarchy. Probably should just be called levels of tolerance. There are four of them, at least according to my theory. And at the end of this theory, if you listen all the way to the end and you say, Dave, that's a pile of crap. It's nonsense. I won't argue with you. Yeah, you might be right. But here we go. Four levels of tolerance. Level one, intolerance. Complete intolerance. I hate you. I hate your tribe. I hate everybody that belongs to your tribe. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make your life miserable. I will destroy your crops. I will wage war on you. I will enslave you. I will kill you if I can. Because that's how much I hate your tribe. You can't really advance society very far when you have that attitude. But that's the way we were for quite some time. And then we discovered level two. Level two is simple, basic tolerance. I don't like you, but I'm not going to try and hurt you. You leave me alone and I'll leave you alone and we'll just kind of tolerate each other. And then we can take it a step further and maybe actually trade with each other. And now you have the basis of civilization. Because that tribe over there that specializes in something my tribe isn't good at, well, I can get their stuff and I can trade with something that my tribe is good with and you can have a nice little civilization going there with nothing more than second level tolerance the next one is level three and i really think level three not level four level three is the highest pinnacle of tolerance that you can achieve level three is apathy I, I don't care what you do. I, I really don't care. As long as it involves adults, as long as you're not hurting kids, you can do whatever you want. Just leave me alone, leave me out of it, and try not to scare the cattle. Now, this can be a, a difficult level to achieve because you can be emotionally involved with stuff and have experiences with other tribes that you don't like because of those experiences. And it can be difficult to say, look, I, I, I don't care. I, I just don't want to be involved. Just leave me out of it and I'll leave you alone. I honestly don't care, for instance, about any of the sports tribes. I don't care. I don't follow sports. It is not my thing. I've never paid attention to it. And if you want to have a conversation about which sports ball team is better than the other one, that's great. 
I will just sit back and uh, smoke my cigar while you enjoy your conversation. I've got nothing to add to it. Because I don't care. I'm not part of that tribe. As far as what you want to do with your religious beliefs, again, I don't care. Um, I will campaign against religion in general. But for you individually, whatever gets you through the night, hey, life is full of more horrible things than great things. And if you find comfort in a belief that I find is stupid or silly, good for you. I don't care. Again, as long as you are not hurting other people. If you, for instance, want to teach creationism to children in public schools using public funds, eh, then I have to care. And now I'm mad because I don't want to care. So just don't do that kind of stuff. Apathy can be difficult to achieve because a lot of times you're at level two with something and you really want to be concerned about what the neighbors are doing down the street when they pull their shades. And you really have to develop a none-of-my-business attitude because only by minding your own business where they're concerned can you expect them to mind their own business where you're concerned. And then we get to level four. Level four is celebration. Hey, I am not a member of your tribe. I can't be a member of your tribe. But I like your tribe. I think your tribe is great. And I participate and celebrate as much as I can. I can never be Italian. But I love Italians. I love the food. I love the culture, the women, everything but the music. I don't care that much for the music. But I love Italian culture and family and the way they do things. I can't be an Italian. I like Wiccans. Yeah, Wiccans. A weird little sort of witchcraft religion. Now talk about a small sample size. I've known maybe a dozen Wiccans in my life and maybe seven or eight of them well. And so my opinion of Wicca and Wiccans is based entirely on that tiny little sample, which is basically the way all of us work, right? When we're making decisions on any particular tribe. But every one of them that I've come to know has been smart and funny, little goofy. They don't take themselves too seriously, trustworthy, and just really cool people to be around, fun people to hang out with. Hey, what more can you say about a tribe than that? Now, I can never belong to that tribe because I think a lot of their beliefs are silly and unfounded, but that's okay. I think they're a great tribe. But now we're getting into the meat of the matter, and that is when we are told that we must celebrate a tribe. Apathy is not allowed. Level three is not allowed. You must celebrate. And this is where we get into trouble. You must celebrate transsexuals. Uh, no, I'm at level three with transsexuals, okay? I, I don't care what you want to do. Just don't involve the kids and leave me alone. 
All right, if I'm standing in the bathroom and a chick with a kickstand comes and stands at the urinal next to me, it doesn't pick my pocket or break my leg. Maybe a little strange, but that's okay. Having a little strangeness happen once in a while is fine. And yes, I think it's a little strange. Does that make me transphobic? Ooh, I guess it does. Because any time that you stand up against any demand that you celebrate a group, you are slash phobic or slash ist. So you're transphobic, Islamophobic, racist, sexist, misogynist. I've got all these labels that they're just going to pull out and slap on you if you don't actively celebrate their particular cause. And if you dare to even say that, that you don't celebrate their cause, they immediately go to level one. I hate you and I'm going to try and destroy you. And this is where we get into cancel culture. We're going to get you fired. And quite often, they do. It's amazing what people get fired and censored for. Stuff that's just such complete nonsense. And everybody is expected to cheer when someone loses their job. Or has their life destroyed? We're going to burn your fields. You're not going to be able to support your family anymore because you said you like Donald Trump. And that is an unforgivable sin. And it's interesting to watch how various people and companies respond to cancel culture and then what the result of those responses are. There's been a lot of outrage over Coca-Cola's training it's anti-racist training that tells people be less white. But it turns out that that wasn't just Coke. That's a curriculum that's being used in a lot of major corporations. Although I imagine now they're pulling back from it after all the bad publicity that Coke got. But it's a critical race theory training course which teaches that White people are automatically racist and automatically oppressors, and minorities are automatically oppressed, and so the oppressors owe them something. This is the core of critical race theory. Let me come back to that in a second. No criticism against something done by any tribe is considered legitimate. For instance, if you say, I think drag queen story hour is a bad idea, well, then you're a pretty evil, transphobic, homophobic piece of garbage. No, I'm not saying it's bad for someone to be a tranny. I'm saying it's not something that we need to wave in the face of children. We've got men dressing as women, visiting six and seven and eight-year-olds and reading them stories that are encouraging them to question their gender identities and their sexuality. You really don't need to do that with kids. That's not something that they should have to worry about or even consider. But if you say, look, it's wrong to sexualize kids, this is a bad idea to hit them with this at this time in their life 
Well, then you're transphobic. You're evil. Hey, where do you work? I want to give your employer a call. But let's take it just a little step further. Less than 1% of the population, of the kids that this stuff is being read to, are going to grow up to be transsexual, transvestite, intersex, whatever. Less than 1%. 8 or 9% of them, when they grow up, are going to realize they're gay. And the other 90% are going to be heterosexual. So, if we really want to encourage children to explore their sexuality, I suggest we have Hot Moms Story Hour. And here's how it works. Really hot moms, really just sexy women, show up in skimply negligees and read stories to the children that will encourage them to explore and question their sexuality and gender identities. And, as an added bonus to this, it will give mom some time off because dads will be eager to drive the kids to story hour. You just take a bath, dear. I'll take little Johnny and Susie to the story hour. You think that's a bad idea? Of course it's a bad idea. It's a horrible idea. It's a stupid idea. Now, is the idea made any better? If we take out the sexy women and put in a bunch of transvestites? I don't think so. But that makes me transphobic, I guess. It's fun to watch companies twist themselves, turn themselves, and try and make themselves more woke. Instead of being dragged into cancel culture, a lot of them are just uh, adopting it. The aforementioned Coca-Cola. Hasbro no longer has a Mr. Potato Head. It's just Potato Head. Although I don't think they took the mustache away. And the reaction to it by the general public is that it's nonsense. And in many cases, people are angry about it. They just don't like it. There are a few companies who have stood up to it. And the results are pretty interesting. There was a call on Trader Joe's to change the marketing of their Hispanic products, which they call Trader Jose's. It's a racial slur. They said, okay, we'll take a look at it and we'll consider it. And less than a week later, they said, nah, we're keeping Trader Jose's. There's nothing insulting about that and uh, we're not going to change it. Nothing happened. There were no calls for boycotts. There was no screaming. They get to carry on their business as usual. Goya took it a bit further. One of the officials at Goya said that he liked Donald Trump. And as a result, AOC called for a boycott of Goya. Now, I, first of all, it's pretty bad when a politician is telling people to boycott a private company. That's really beyond the pale, I think. That's a really bad thing. That shouldn't be her job. But Goya 
simply kind of laughed it off until the public reacted. And the public reacted by buying more of their products than they had ever sold before. After a month went by, they actually issued a press release naming AOC as Employee of the Month for having increased their sales so dramatically. The company that publishes Dr. Seuss and owns the rights to all of his books, his estate basically, announced that they were pulling six books and some of them were racist. Well, now, they could have just done this quietly. It was six books that weren't selling very well. They didn't sell many of them at all, and so they just decided to stop publishing them, and that's a perfectly legitimate thing that any publisher does. But no, they decided they were going to virtue signal and say, oh, we realized that this was racist and we're not doing it anymore. And I looked at some of the things that were supposedly racist, and they were things like uh, Eskimos dressed as Eskimos. A Chinese guy eating rice with a chopstick. Gee, I thought Chinese people did eat rice with chopsticks, but nope. There was one of an Arab with a turban sitting on a camel with all kinds of things hooked up to the camel that he was selling. Well, gee, Arab merchants never rode camels, did they? I don't think that the estate realizes that by doing this, by taking a plain business decision and then pretending that they're doing it because they're woke, I don't think they realize just how much they're putting themselves in the gun sights of the woke and the politically correct. There have always been people complaining about Seuss, but then they complain about Anything. They won't complain about anything that anybody likes. But now that they capitulated without even being forced to, now that Seuss has capitulated, they can expect an endless stream of attacks on the rest of their catalog. I read a really appalling article by a kindergarten teacher talking about a curriculum that she had designed to introduce the kids to Dr. Seuss. She'd start the first day by reading from the old Fun with Dick and Jane books. See Dick. See Dick run. Run, Dick, run. See Jane. Jane is running. Run, Jane, run. See Spot. Spot sees, yeah, just horrible, horrible stuff. I remember getting that nonsense when we were kids. And she read that the first day. And the kids were bored to tears. And then the next day, she read Green Eggs and Ham. And the kids loved it. Of course they did. It's Dr. Seuss. And then she read, on the third day, another Dr. Seuss book. And then on the fourth day, yet another. And now the kids are just in love with Dr. Seuss. They think he's wonderful. And they are, of course, right. And then on day five, she goes back to before... Dr. Seuss was Dr. Seuss. When it was Theodore Geisel drawing political cartoons during the Second World War. Now, when you're drawing political cartoons during the Second World War, the depictions of the enemy are definitely going to be stereotypical and 
no doubt, racist. And she pulls these out and shows them to the kids and says, hey, this guy that you love, look at him, he's really a racist. Let's discuss this. This is to kindergartners. What's wrong with this woman? How can you even think that way? It's just so foreign to me, I guess. I just don't understand it. But I do understand the motivation and the end game that she's playing for. Now, I don't think it's likely that anybody who publishes the Dr. Seuss books is listening to me. But if you are, be warned. Now you're in their gun sights, and they're going to come for everything. And the next on their list is the story of the Sneetches, because they hate that one. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with the story of the Sneetches, it's a Dr. Seuss book, actually a Dr. Seuss short story. And there are two different kinds of Sneetches. There are Sneetches that have stars on their bellies, and there are Sneetches that don't have stars on their bellies, and they just don't get along. And the ones with the stars on their bellies are absolute dicks to the ones that don't have stars on their bellies. That's not a phrase that Dr. Seuss uses, by the way. And they won't let the non-star-bellied Sneetches on the beaches. So we got some segregation going on there. And they're fighting and they're miserable and then a con man comes to town and he tells the non-star-bellied Sneetches, hey, I got this machine you can get into for three bucks and when you get out, you have a star on your belly. Well, they all line up for that. And now... All the non-starred Sneetches have stars on their bellies and they go to the beaches and the regular star-bellied Sneetches are appalled and they go, this is terrible, what can we do about it? And the con man comes up to them and says, hey, I can take the stars off your bellies for $10 and then the non-star-bellied Sneetches will be the best. And so they all line up and they go through the machine and now the star bellies are non-star bellies. And the non-star bellies have stars. And they all start lining up to this guy and having stars put on and taken off. And they're all confused. And eventually the guy with the machines gets all their money evidently and he leaves. And now they got a real mess on their hands because they don't even know who had the star and who didn't have the star. And they all decide that they're going to instead get along with each other. And that's the happy ending. I kind of thought that that was really what we were shooting for in real life too as well. Being able to go into a room full of people with all different kinds of beliefs, belonging to all different tribes... And to judge them based on the content of their character, not the tribe that they happen to belong to. In fact, I thought we were making really good progress toward that. Racism was on the way down and people were getting along with each other. And that all fell apart when Obama was elected. And it wasn't his fault. It was the fault of his followers. His followers insisted that any criticism of anything that he did was automatically racist. And you criticized him, you're a racist. Racist, racist, racist. And that effectively shut down 
and ended any possibility of a conversation, which is, of course, the goal. But everybody getting along together is the very last thing that the woke want. They're race baiters. And if everybody started getting along, well, there goes their whole reason for being and their justification for every opinion that they have. I'm going to close with what an author had to say about those sneeches. And I quote, The solution to the story's conflict is that the plain belly sneeches and the star belly sneeches simply get confused as to who is oppressed. As a result, they accept one another. This message of acceptance does not acknowledge structural power imbalances. It doesn't address the idea that historical narratives impact present-day power structures. And instead of encouraging young readers to recognize and take action against injustice, the story presents a race-neutral approach. And that, my friends, is a bad thing. We're not supposed to get along with each other. And that's the end goal, folks. These woke people want us all at each other's throats forever. You are an oppressor. You are the oppressed. Everybody works within that framework. That's a horrible way to go through life. And that is the way a lot of schools are teaching kids now. So if you've got kids in school, check it out. Make sure that they're not being taught this nonsense. And if they are, then it's something that you need to do something about as a parent. Since every major tribe has been oppressed at some time in their history by some other major tribe, this can go on forever. The best thing that we can do to fight it, first of all, we've got to fight any of this critical race theory that's being taught in corporations or in schools. We've got to oppose that as strongly as we can. And then beyond that, the best thing that we can do, the thing that will really piss them off, is to get along with each other. Because they just can't stand that. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. I think it's a good idea to have a side hustle. Even if you don't make a lot of money on it, it's just kind of a fun thing to do and it will teach you stuff that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. I have a side hustle of selling mugs on Etsy. Mugs with snarky things written on the side. And there are some people that do this and actually can make a living off of it. Not too many, but they've got thousands and thousands of mugs listed. I approach this as half-assed and nonchalantly as I approach this podcast. I don't have a whole lot of them up there, at least not by comparison to a lot of other people. Maybe 115 or something like that. But I had really good success with something that I threw up there kind of as a lark that became bestsellers. The first one was a picture of the New York State Seal And underneath it, it said, my governor is an asshole. 
And then I put one up for California. And then I started putting them up for several different states. And the results were pretty amazing, much better than I expected. Now, to give you an idea of how much people hate their governors, these mugs sell for $20, $19.95, for an 11-ounce mug, and $24.95 for a 15-ounce mug. And to put that in perspective, the other day I was in Aldi's and they had a 15-ounce mug with something snarky written on the side. It was a white mug. It looked exactly like the mugs that I sell. And it was $2.96. So you can buy a perfectly good 15-ounce mug for $2.95 or you can spend $25 for one that says my governor is an asshole. And what was really interesting with this, most people that buy a novelty mug buy one. It's a gift, usually, or something that they happen to like. But I had people buying four and five of the 15-ounce mugs. They were spending 125 bucks to tell the world how much they hated their governor. The best seller was California, by far, and then New York came in second, and then New Jersey, uh, Michigan, and I didn't sell that many. I was surprised. I thought I'd sell more. Virginia, I sold quite a few. And Texas, I didn't sell any for Texas, except for, uh, and what was funny, I put one up for Texas, and I didn't sell one until the day after the governor announced that he was opening up the state. So I guess it can go either way, right? What actions make you think your governor is an asshole? I sold over $2,000 worth of these things. That is how much people despise their governors and their government. And I think that's a pretty encouraging sign. Now, putting this out as intermittently as I do, I really don't have any idea how many people are out there listening what the numbers are. So help me out with that and drop me a line. Let me know you're listening, especially if you've never dropped me a line before. It's Dave at DaveHit.com, spelled with two T's. Drop me a line, say hello, let me know that uh, you're paying a little bit of attention at least. And now there's nothing left for me to tell you except that the Quick Hits Podcast is nothing more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously.